South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanzan Washington working on this program, The Remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Monday, January 23rd, 2023. President Salva Kiir calls for an end to intercommunal violence in South Sudan. Our problem is not the issue of money. Our problem is this issue of you fighting. This fighting of yours is the one that is stop development. I want you to stop fighting. And the UN condemns attacks on humanitarian aid workers in South Sudan. The humanitarian community condemns in strongest terms the attack on humanitarian workers and assets in Pibor, in the greater Pibor administrative area. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. President Salva Kiir says inter-ethnic violence is a big threat to development in South Sudan. President Kiir says South Sudan's problem with development is not finance, but insecurity. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar reports from Juba. Addressing a rally on Saturday in Mareng, east of Bor, at the launch of the Bor, Pibor, and Bor Ayod highways, President Salva Kiir called on South Sudanese to stop fighting. Kiir said insecurity poses one of the biggest threats to the country's development. Our problem is not the issue of money. Our problem is this issue of you fighting. This fighting of yours is the one that is stop development. I want you to stop fighting. President Kiir spent the weekend in Bor supervising completion of some 200 kilometers of the Juba Bor Highway, South Sudan's second paved highway. The road is funded through the government's Oil for Development program. In September 2012, former U.S. Ambassador to South Sudan Susan Page and President Kiir inaugurated the 192-kilometer-long Juba Nimle Road, the country's first major infrastructure project and its first paved highway. In 2013, South Sudan was plunged into civil war and development ground to a halt. Kiir said Saturday when there is peace, development will reach several parts of South Sudan. The road in war will not be the end of the road. It will go to many areas. There are some people who see themselves not included in this road making in Eastern Ware, Nasser, Kulang, Majwood, Pagak, and all these areas, I will tell them, rest assured that we are coming to you. South Sudan Minister for Roads and Bridges, Simon Mijok Mijok, who accompanied the president to Bor, attributes the completion of the Juba Bor Road and other road construction projects to the signing of the peace deal. After the signing of the revitalized agreement and the resolution of the conflict in the Republic of South Sudan in September 2018 and the formation of a transitional uh, government of national unity in February 2020, uh, contributes to the recovery of peace and that's why we are here. Otherwise, we would face a lot of challenges. Mijok says, although the peace agreement is largely holding among the parties, deadly attacks against road workers persist. We have lost many workers and drivers on the road, but they have not uh, 
abandoned the road and, and they are going ahead. And as I'm speaking here, I don't want to spoil the occasion, but I'm get, get, getting a disturbing news from EA Road that a team of ARC, this company, uh, we are celebrating here, they started their work on EA uh, Road. I'm just told that they have fallen into an ambush and some of our soldiers are wound, wounded and the driver is killed. In December 2021, the United States Department of Treasury sanctioned two companies owned by prominent South Sudanese businessman Benjamin Bolmel, one of which is the African Resource Corporation or ARC. The companies were designated by the United States for their alleged involvement in corruption in South Sudan. This story was prepared by Manyang David Mayar in Bor. For VOA News, I am Charlton Doke in Juba. The UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs in South Sudan is condemning a recent attack on humanitarian workers and assets in Greater Pibor administrative area. The acting humanitarian coordinator for South Sudan says several armed attackers broke into an international NGO compound in Pibor and beat one aid worker who needs medical attention. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Bor. The humanitarian community condemns in strongest terms the attack on humanitarian workers and assets in Pibor, in the Greater Pibor Administrative Area. We are united in our call for an immediate end of these repeated attacks of violence against civilians and humanitarians. That's Annette Hans, Deputy Head of UN Ocha in South Sudan. In a recorded statement to South Sudan in focus, Hans also said several armed attackers broke into an international NGO compound in Pibor last Wednesday. At least one humanitarian worker was beaten and required medical attention. The attackers targeted the NGO looking for cash and other assets and stole these valuables. Earlier this month, unidentified attackers killed two aid workers in the Abia administrative area and another aid worker in Jonglei State. Peter Bander Awarat, humanitarian coordinator at Interim for South Sudan, said in a statement released today, such attacks on humanitarians who provide critical services to the most vulnerable people are beyond comprehension, adding... The ongoing violent attacks against humanitarians inadvertently hamper the delivery of much-needed life-saving support to millions of people affected in times of escalating conflict. Our right says the victims are humanitarian workers, most of whom are South Sudanese nationals. He says the indirect victims are the most vulnerable whom humanitarian workers serve in many communities. South Sudan is one of the most dangerous places in the world for aid workers. Nine humanitarian workers were killed in the line of duty and 450 incidents were reported last year and three humanitarian workers have already been killed this year, according to OCHA. OCHA says protecting humanitarian workers and civilians is the duty of South Sudan authorities and the humanitarian community is calling on authorities to do all they can to stop attacks on humanitarians and civilians and bring the perpetrators swiftly to justice. 
It says ending impunity and ensuring accountability is critical to protecting humanitarians and civilians alike and to bringing long-term peace to South Sudan. For VOA News, I am Dengai Deng in Bor. The UN Secretary General says South Sudan and some other countries have lost their voting rights in the General Assembly for not paying their arrears. In a letter circulated last week, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said Venezuela, Lebanon and South Sudan are among six nations that have lost their voting right in the 193-member General Assembly. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Bar. Speaking by phone from Nairobi, take Stephen Ogut, the communication officer for South Sudan's Ministry of Finance, says the ministry has already paid several arrears to the regional blocks. Ogut says he does not have details about payments to the UN General Assembly, but adds he will get more information when Dier Tongor, the South Sudan finance minister who is currently in Dakar, Senegal, returns. What I know about our obligation to the region, is that we have cleared with the East African community. Uh, we have also paid something to the African Union. So if there is anything, this one would be still in line. So it's something that the government was working on. But there was a payment that was made for the East African community and for African Union. UN Chief Antonio Guterres says South Sudan, Venezuela and Lebanon have been in arrears for at least two years on paying their dues to the United Nations operating budget. They joined Dominica, Equatorial Guinea, and Gabon in a list of nations that have not paid their dues on time, said Guterres in a statement issued last Thursday. Gabon is serving a two-year term on the UN Security Council, although its voting rights there are not affected. The UN Charter states that members whose arrears equal or exceed the amount of the contributions for the preceding two full years lose their voting rights. But it also gives the General Assembly the authority to decide that the failure to pay is due to conditions beyond the control of the member and in that case, a country can continue to vote according to the Associated Press. South Sudan government spokesperson and information minister Michael McQuay acknowledges the government received the letter. And of course, South Sudan is not the only country which is not paying. There are so many other countries which are... Uh, and if we are suspended today, it's not because we are not paying, because, but because of other other reasons, other political situations which are happening all over the world. The minimum payments needed to restore voting rights for South Sudan are $61,886. The General Assembly decided that three African countries on the list of nations in arrears, Comoros, Sotom, and Principe and Somalia, would be able to keep their voting rights. It granted the three countries the same exemption last year. Iran lost its voting rights two years ago, but regained those rights in June last year after making the minimum payment on its dues. It lashed out at the United States for maintaining sanctions that have prevented the government from accessing billions of dollars in foreign banks. At that time, UN deputy spokesman Farhan Haq thanked banking and government authorities in various countries, including South Korea, for enabling payments to be made. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiding in Bor.
You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, U.S. officials predict food insecurity in Africa. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... What is the best way to introduce change? You have to educate. Education is the key factor to change. Without education, people will resist. You have to educate the person. You have to educate people on the situation on ground, the implication of that situation. And if the change is to come in, what impact is that change going to create? So the best way to introduce change is to understand the change. And you try to educate the people on what change is all about. I think just go right ahead and do it because there are always people who don't really like change and there are also always people who like change and they're conducive to change. And so I think there's always going to be that one person who's like, no, I don't like this, it's different. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Lenore Moudou. During this pandemic, the World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say if you have a fever, a cough, or have trouble breathing, you should stay home and contact a healthcare facility. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest health news. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. The World Health Organization and U.S. Centers for Disease Control say coughing and sneezing can spread COVID-19. Physical distancing, staying at least one meter away from people outside your family can protect everyone. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. U.S. officials say food insecurity in Africa will worsen this year because of climate change, conflict and market disruptions caused by Russia's war on Ukraine. The U.S. is helping African farmers adapt to climate change with drip irrigation and other water-saving measures to boost food production. For VOA News, Mohamed Yusuf reports from Nairobi. 
speaking online to journalists from Malawi, Kerry Fowler, special envoy for global food security, said the drivers of 2022 food insecurity in Africa are continuing. As much as I wish I could bring the hopeful message that the food crisis will be over this year, we have to recognize that the chief drivers of the food crisis are still with us. And it behooves us, therefore, to be looking at solutions for all of those or adaptive measures. That's the situation as I see it today. Climate change, the global pandemic, conflicts and Russia's aggression in Ukraine have all been blamed for Africa's food insecurity and hunger. According to the 2022 Global Food Crisis Report, one in every five Africans goes to bed hungry and at least 140 million people on the continent face acute food insecurity. African farmers continue to practice traditional farming methods, but the weather has been unpredictable in recent years, causing farmers to produce less food. Farmers complain about high seed and fertilizer prices and a failure to produce enough food for the population. Drought also has contributed to food insecurity in some parts of the continent, particularly the Horn of Africa, destroying livestock and crops and forcing people to rely on humanitarian assistance for food and medicine. In 2022, the U.S. government invested $11 billion in humanitarian assistance in 55 countries, including some from Africa. Dina Esposito, the U.S. Aid Global Food Crisis Coordinator, said her government is also supporting African farmers in producing their own food to overcome hunger and food insecurity. We've also got a global hunger initiative that is exactly focused on what are the right systems and approaches to advancing agriculture, taking that very localized context in mind, advancing drip irrigation and other forms of water-saving measures where it makes sense, helping farmers adapt to a changing climate in, in other ways. Fundamentally, always looking at, we see our role really as helping these farmers shift from subsistence farming to more intensified and sustainable production. Esposito also said the U.S. government is committed to partnering with leaders to advance global food insecurity and solve global hunger. Coach Oscar teaches land, resource management and agricultural technology at the University of Nairobi. He says no single African country can solve the food crisis alone and there is a need for a regional approach to deal with growing hunger on the continent. We need our nations to work together because of our connectedness, you know. We are one ecosystem at the end of the day. I'm telling our animals are in Uganda and some of them are going to Tanzania and all that others coming in. So we need to have regional strategies. Our African leaders need to have regional strategies to support our communities because it's a regional problem. And of course, we need to see investments, you know, significant investments into production, especially in agriculture. You look at the national budgets of these African countries, how much goes into agriculture because we cannot have a peaceful nation, we cannot have a prosperous nation development without people producing food for themselves and enough food for themselves. Last October, African ministers of agriculture meeting in Ethiopia pledged to support sustainable food security, transform food systems and build a viable, commercial and productive agricultural ecosystems on the continent. Mohamed Yusuf for VOA News, Nairobi. World Health Organization says there is no evidence that COVID-19 mRNA vaccines increase the risk of strokes in older people. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva. WHO officials say there's no basis to the recent concerns raised by the media and science communities about the safety of the mRNA booster shots. They say the concerns, which are related to one U.S. data system that monitors safety, presented misinformation about deaths related to COVID-19 infection. 
Kate O'Brien is WHO Director, Immunization, Vaccines and Biologicals. She says other U.S. and other national vaccine safety monitoring systems have not found further evidence that mRNA vaccines lead to strokes. But at this point in time, the best evidence is that there is no true association between um, the booster doses uh, uh, of Pfizer in the older adults and strokes. Um, and again, we, there is an ongoing, unending system to continuously monitor safety, not only for COVID vaccine and dose by dose, but also for all other vaccines. O'Brien says COVID-19 vaccines are highly effective at preventing hospitalization, severe disease or death, but less effective at stopping people from getting infected and transmitting the disease. She notes it is particularly important that people in high priority groups receive all their recommended doses. They include people over age 60, those who have underlying medical conditions or are immunocompromised pregnant women and health workers. For the strains that we have circulating in the world now, the Omicron strains, the first booster dose actually improves the performance of your primary series for protection against the severe end of the disease spectrum. So you actually need three doses to get that optimal protection from vaccines. O'Brien says there's no direct evidence of the performance of the monovalent or bivalent vaccines on the XBB15 strain of COVID-19. Since there currently is no data on whether the newer bivalent vaccines are more effective than ancestral vaccines, she says the WHO recommends both for booster doses. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. The United States is deeply concerned by the security, humanitarian, and political crises occurring in the Sahel. These crises are causing a dramatic increase in the strength and influence of violent extremism that is spreading into parts of coastal West Africa, said Ambassador Richard Mills, U.S. Deputy Representative to the United Nations. Violent extremism thrives when state authorities are absent, when the delivery of services is weak, when democracy is fragile or fleeting, when justice is inaccessible, and when economic and political exclusion prevail. For the United States, instability in the Sahel is clearly a security problem with a democratic governance solution. In addition, the Kremlin-backed Wagner Group is interfering in African countries' internal affairs, robbing them of their resources, committing human rights abuses, and endangering the safety and security of peacekeepers and UN personnel, declared Ambassador Mills. Its presence and operations are not only failing to address the immediate violent extremist threat, but actually increasing the likelihood Violent extremism will grow. The United States is also gravely concerned about democratic backsliding across the region and urges the return of democratically elected civilian-led governments. We applaud the continued efforts of UNAWAS to support democratic processes and to advise transitional governments on how to return to full civilian-led democracy, said Ambassador Mills. The United States strongly condemns the killing of 28 people in northern Burkina Faso in late December and will continue to engage with the transitional government to strengthen protections for human rights and civil liberties. 
Ambassador Mills expressed concerns regarding the departure of the U.N. resident coordinator in Burkina Faso and about reports that the French ambassador to Burkina Faso has been asked to leave the country. Ambassador Mills called on the government of Mali to eliminate all restrictions against MINUSMA so that it can carry out its U.N. mandate, which includes protecting civilians, promoting human rights, and advancing peace and stability in Mali. We must reinvigorate our collective action and support our African partners in addressing the problems that cross borders, said Ambassador Mills. The U.S. applauds the U.N., the African Union, G5 Sahel, and ECOWAS for doing just that. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. That's all we prepared for you this Monday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. When I leave you with Musa Juma and the song New Sudan. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.
Oh, 